You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Thank you, Pastor Tom. I must say your mask is very fetching. You look like a lone ranger. Well, that's what are we like? What are we like with our masks and our corona shuffle? and are avoiding each other in our sanitization, the world has gone a little bit crazy, wouldn't you agree? Yeah. Yeah. As I look on this yes. room of surgeons, nurses, <laughs> doctors, one or two bank robbers as well, people who look a bit dodgy, glad they're wearing a mask, people that I've definitely seen on crime stoppers and so on and so forth, it's great to see you all in, but Matt, lads, we're living in a mad world, we've all learned new things, We've learned new ways of living, like even this morning our worship band were in the display cabinet. We don't even have a proper place to put them. We have to put them in a display cabinet. People are meeting each other in the street and they're starting to do the corona shuffle. You know, you meet someone in the street or Aldi, and before you know it, you're going left, am I going right, am I going left, am I going right? Or you stand one centimeter within the two, two meter rule and somebody says, Don't get too close to me! The world has gone mad. The Road, the, the road Safety Association said that there was an increase in the number of people who were actually being knocked down recently, even though we were kind of just coming out of lockdown. And they said the reason was really simple, and that was that people were social distancing, so they were stepping out onto the road to avoid somebody walking towards them, and then getting hit by a car. <laughs> so it makes you think that if you get the coronavirus, it probably won't kill you, but uh, getting the belt of a car definitely will kill you. So keep your wits about you. The world has gone mad, and to us it all seems very new. People are referring to the new normal. But I want to say to you today that what we're experiencing at this time in our lives and this time in 2020 is neither new nor is it normal. It is not new and it's not normal. First of all, it isn't new. Why, why, why do I say it isn't new? Because it has happened before so many times in history. So many times before there have been global pandemics or plagues have broken up. I've been thinking of two specific plagues, one in 166 that happened during the reign of Marcus Aurelius, the, the one of the, the, the co-regent of Rome at the time in 166, another one that happened in 251 AD that happened um, and was recorded by Cyprian of Carthage, a very famous Christian leader who lived at the time. And they said that in those plagues, one in every three people in the Roman Empire died. One in every three people died. So imagine the three people. Look, Marcus is over here in Sinead, and Celine, sorry, I hate to pick you up. One, two, three, and going to No, I'm not saying that. But imagine that, a family of three, one person almost certainly was going to die in the midst of all that. And you know the curious thing about it is that in that period of time, that was a period of explosive growth for the Christian church. People became Christians in their droves in the midst of those plagues. It was one of the big accelerants, if you will, for people becoming Christian believers. So what we're experiencing is nothing new. In actual fact, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, or Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9, what has been will be again. What we're experiencing, other people will experience. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new Amen. under the sun. Amen. Nothing that you're experiencing is new. And even if it is new to you, it is not new to everyone. And that's an important thing to remember when we are tempted or attacked or assaulted as or by the enemy, when our souls are assaulted. There's nothing new happening here. I'm being very conscious now if you kind of stay off to this side of the screen because they're watching on Instagram and on Facebook. 
life. So there's nothing new going on. The other thing I'd say to you is this, it certainly isn't normal. And the reason I know that it's not normal is because everybody's normal is different. So your normal is different from my normal. What is normal in your life is very different from what is normal in my life. Let me give you an example of a boring normality from my life. I'm a celiac. I have a disease called celiac disease. And it means that I cannot process the gluten protein that's in wheat, barley, rye and oats. I can't process it. I'd love to be able to process it because I really like those things, but I can't eat them. So it's normal for me to go into a restaurant and ask a silly question, is that gluten-free would be the question that I would have to ask. Now if you went to a restaurant and you go, what's the matter with him? Is he like on some kind of a diet fad? No, it will make me sick if I eat it. It's normal for me to have to avoid gluten. It's not very nice for me, by the way, but it is normal for me. And we all have our own versions of normal, and we all have versions of normal to which we become very familiar. I want to look this morning at the story of the Israelites on their emergence from their captivity in, in Egypt. And I want us to look for a second at their new normal. What was going on for them in terms of their new life? So up to this point, remembering for 400 years, they had been slaves. They were slaves for 400 years. In actual fact, the very first person, the very first descendant of Jacob to go down into Egypt was a slave, and so was the last person. Here's the story of Joseph from Psalm 105. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, the Israelites. Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Joseph was the first slave Israelite to enter into Egypt. And even though he came to greatness, he started off life as a slave. And his descendants would become slaves in that nation. And this, so here we get, at, we come towards the end of Exodus, we're reading the story of them coming up. We're going to read just a couple of pieces for in a second. They're about to come out of Egypt. And the curious thing about it is this. The interesting thing about your normal is this. No matter how strange your normal might be, we can find a curious comfort in our normal. We can find our normal to be very comforting, no matter how bad or how difficult that normal is. Let me give you an example. It's a crude example, it's a rough example, but it will do. I'm sure all of you in your life have met somebody who was in an abusive relationship with a partner, a husband or a wife, who either violently, emotionally, psychologically abused them. And yet, for some reason, the partner who was abused would not leave the relationship, sometimes for many, many years. And the reason is, is because in some ways we broke a deal and we go, you know, this is normal for me. This is my normal life to experience this type of abuse, whether it is physical or emotional, psychological abuse or whatever, this kind of controlling abuse. It doesn't matter because for me, it's normal. I had a conversation with a girl one time and she was telling me about, uh, about, about how she was abused, how she was physically assaulted. And I said, why didn't you leave the guy? She said, well, you know something? I, I, I just found a niche in it. It just seems to me normal. I thought other people lived like this. I thought this is just a normal way to live. That's how it became. I was being abused, but it, was, it became perfectly normal for me. And it's a curious thing about our normals, brothers and sisters, and that is that we can find comfort in our normals in one of three ways. Okay? So this is what psychologists say. So we find, we find comfort in our normal in one of three ways. The first one is the one of comparison. We compare ourselves to other people's situations. So we go, well, it's, 
you know, it, it is bad for me, but it's a lot worse. I mean, it's, a, it's bad for me the way that Elma treats me, but it's not as bad as the way Denise treats Tom. I mean, that's much better. I mean, she, they get treated much worse than I get treated. And so we compare ourselves to somebody who's in a worse situation, and so therefore we get some form of comfort in our situation by comparing. Another one is control. Control is that we say, well, do you know what? At least I know that even though this person is not nice to me, when I go home in the evening, you know, they'll make, they'll make the dinner for me. They'll make a terrible, terrible example. And I know that the person cares about me. We have some sense of control. Even in a very difficult situation, we have some sense of control. I'm going to reflect on this in the scriptures in a second. There's some sense to which we can take a comfort out of it because we can control the situation. Yes, he's unkind to me. Yes, Yes, he's abusive to me, but you know what? At least it shows that he cares about me to some extent. You know that kind of crazy thinking? I'm sure a lot of you will have heard it before. The last way is that we find contentment in our comfort. We comfort ourselves with a sense of contentment. We say, you know what? You know, it's not great, but I can live with it. I, I'm going to be content with it. Half a loaf is better than none. Better a meal of herbs than, a, a, the, the, than the fatted calf. It's just, it's okay, it's not great, but I can live with it. And in all of these ways, we kind of make a deal with our bad situations. In all of those ways, we find comfort in our normal, regardless of how bad that normal is. And the Israelites were no different. You see, they had a normal too, and their normal was to be slaves. They were slaves. For 400 years, they were slaves. They didn't know the presence of God. They didn't know the voice of God. They hadn't experienced God in a real way. In some senses, they could say truthfully that God had abandoned them, even though he had told Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 that they would be slaves for 400 years in Egypt. And they would have found that they would have not experienced God, not experienced God's word, not experienced God's presence, not experienced God's presence. And in a strange way, they found comfort in it. But still, they longed to be free. You see, the curious thing about this, this brothers and sisters, I think that if we actually look from a biblical perspective, the normal state of, human, of the human condition is one of slavery. You see, you might not be a slave like you're tied up in chains somewhere, like some of these Israelites were. You might not be in a situation like somebody who's literally being trafficked, but we cannot, we're all slaves in some senses. If you read what the Bible says, we can be slave to our selfishness and to our sin. We can be slave to a habit. We can be slave to a routine. We can be slaves to the clock. Slaves to debt. Slaves to credit. Slaves to money. Slaves to fear itself. And you know something? We've all been living in a world that in the last few months has been pumped 24-7 full of fear. I'm not surprised that people have become slaves again. I'm not at all surprised. But you know, the normal condition for the human is not freedom, it's slavery. And that's what Jesus actually says. But we'll get to that a little bit later. I want to look at the Israelites. They're coming out of Egypt. The, the Lord sends them Moses. Moses shows up, says to Pharaoh, let my people go. He says, I don't know who the Lord is, and I won't let the people go. And you know the rest of the story yourself. He visits the templates upon Egypt, they call, they fall upon Egypt, and they destroy Egypt in effect, and eventually the Lord lets his people go, or Pharaoh is forced to let the people go. Forgive me, I can never remember. Ten or twelve plagues. I only looked up to ten plagues. He released, he, he released the plagues, and then eventually the people were let go. So they've just been let go. Remember, you've been a slave for four hundred years, right? Four hundred years, you've been longing to be free. 
You're under the whip. You're under the stick. You're under the cruel taskmaster. You don't have any property. You don't have any freedom. You don't have any rights. The children, the firstborn male children, were being killed and thrown into the river Nile time after time. And now at last, freedom has come. God has moved, opened the doors, and out they went. And so they sang, and they danced, and they marched out to freedom. Hallelujah, we've been set free, they sang, as they left Israel. But they are they left Egypt. And then suddenly, something happens. They enter into this experience where they're being pursued by Pharaoh, and they're being pursued by Pharaoh's chariots and his army, and they begin to panic because they're standing by the Red Sea. And then, all of a sudden, the joy of freedom absolutely evaporates, and they begin to say some really crazy things. And they start saying, I think some of these, some of the people, some of the Israelites are definitely from Cork, because if you look at some of these complaints, they sound like very hot complaints to me. There's a sense of indignance about some of these complaints. Here's what happens when they're standing at the Red Sea, and the Israelites begin to complain. Here's what it says. It says, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness, boy? The, the boy, it's there in the original room. Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Is it that there wasn't enough graves out in Egypt that you could drag us out here to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us? Why, Billy the Billy, why did you make us leave Egypt? They sound like teenage kids. Why did you make me leave Egypt? Like you wanted to be free, you cried out to the Lord for 400 years for freedom, and then he sets you free, and then you say, why did you make me leave? Because the first challenge that came along, they begin to look over their shoulders and begin to think, oh God, do you remember, it was actually quite easy when we were slaves in Egypt, it was actually easier. And they begin to look over their shoulder, and they've got these, they've got these rose-tinted glasses on, he goes on to say, why didn't you tell us this what happened when we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. No, they didn't. They said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. They said, in your best heart, it's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Why? <laughs> it is your life. They cried out the first moment of trouble. They wanted to go back. They wanted to go back. The first moment they hit trouble. You know, sometimes we can be like that, we hit trouble and we look back and go, oh yeah, it was great before this happened, or it was great in those days, or it was great before this happened in my life, or before that person came into my life, I had such an easy life. I remember, maybe I think when my kids were maybe three or four or five, and I just say to them, what have we done? We had such a good life, we could go all go to the cinema, go we'll do whatever it is that we wanted to do, go on for the day, and now we're like suddenly encumbered. And began to look back at the rosy days. Would they have given those children back? Not for all the tea in China. China. Anyway. <laughs> I should say. And they begin to look over their shoulders and they begin to get these rose tinted glasses. By the way, if you're not an English speaker, that's an idiom, meaning that people are looking at the world and seeing only the good. And so here's another situation. They're getting a bit hungry. This is about three days later. And they said this if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt. Ah, they're only hungry for a couple of days. He says, there we, there we sat around pots filled with meat. Apologies to all the vegetarians out there. And we <laughs> ate bread, all the bread we wanted. And there was gluten and everything. We could eat all the bread we wanted. But no, you brought us into this wilderness to starve us to death. Not complete. Like beef again, as that you were slaves. Run on the back 400 years. No freedom, no choice. 
Yeah, I was like, oh, you know, it was so easy. We sat in we sat in pots filled with meat. And it goes on to say this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Look, I'm going to rain down food from heaven for you. Rain it down from each day that people could go and pick up as much food as they need for that day. I'm gonna rain down food. You won't have to work for it, you won't have to labor for it, you won't have to sow crops, you won't have to catch it, you won't have to kill it, you won't have to cook it. I'm just going to rain down food for you. Hallelujah. They never saw food being rained down upon them by the Egyptians, and yet they're looking to go back to their slavery. They're looking to go back. Their slavery. One more that I really like. This is another one. This is just a, <clears throat> another short while later. The people of Israel began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they said. Remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt? Do you remember that? We used to have free fish. Like, I mean, free, I'm just going to bring it. Free fish we had in Egypt. We remember the, 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 the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and all the garlic we wanted. We had all the salad and all the fish, and it was all for free. Just like the camp guards in the concentration camps used to give up bowls of soup for free. <laughs> or like when you go into prison and they give you a jumpsuit for free. Because <laughs> that's what they were saying. We had them for free. We didn't have to pay for them. And they began to complain. And when they got it gets better, they said, But now our appetites are gone, and all we see is this manna. Every day, all we see is manna. And they keep on forgetting about it. Lads, you were slaves. You had no freedom, no property, no rights, no time off. You were slaves. Hello? The fish wasn't for free. It was only so you could be kept alive to serve your slave masters. That's all it was for. And brothers and sisters, I don't know that we are necessarily all that different. Because you know the difference is when you're when you're a slave, you know, there's a degree of control in your life, and that somebody else is finally responsible for feeding you and caring you and taking care of you. But when you're a free person, you have that responsibility yourself. So being free actually is harder in some senses than being a slave. Because being free means you've got to make your own choices and make your own way. And in this case, obviously the Lord was with them. But I know that the Lord says, every day they had manna. They went to sleep at night. And when they woke up in the morning, it was there. No, I don't care what it tastes like. I mean, we're told what it tastes like. It's not. I don't care what it tastes like. I didn't have to work for it. I didn't have to labor for it. I don't have to pay for it. It's just there. And they're saying, you know, we love some fish and some salad. How many people here, by the way, like salad? How many people would say they like salad? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, okay. How many people here like meat? Yeah, that's more like this. That's more like a room full of what? Well, that's an omnivore, isn't it? There's a carnivore, a meat eater, carnivore, maybe. And we eat both. Do you know something? They just wanted to go back. And get all the free stuff and all the easy stuff, and they began to look back over their lives at their experience in Egypt, thinking, you know, it wasn't so bad, you know. And they began to find that they lost, even though they've been set free. And they're set free. Brothers and sisters, can I just say this to you? Before you knew Jesus Christ, you were a slave. You were a slave. But no, Jesus has set you free. 
Hallelujah. You will say amen. amen. You are no longer a slave. You are a free person. And this is what they so continually, continually, continually forgot. And it's what we sometimes forget when the going gets tough. Because I guarantee you this, I know this, the Christian life is a joyous, happy for me personal, desirable and pleasurable. I get great joy and pleasure in my faith. But that doesn't mean that there isn't tough times. It doesn't mean that there isn't very big challenges. And that doesn't mean when I look inside my soul, I don't always see the best things going on inside my heart and my soul. But there are challenges. But do you know something? When the challenges come, the question is, how do we respond to the challenges that come our way? Do we begin to go back again to our slavery? How do we react when things go wrong in our lives or when there's challenges in our lives? Like, um, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I experience a challenge, I don't necessarily respond in the best way. Now, I know all of you do. I know that everybody else inside this room reacts in exactly the perfect way that a Christian should react every time. But I'm afraid, I'm going to tell the truth, I don't always respond in the best way. And sometimes I don't always have the best things in my mind and my heart. Like, for instance, last night, um, just last night, my next door neighbor, who was three or four doors up, uh, decided that the, the, the daughter was having a 21st birthday party. I hope she's not going to be watching on Instagram with this. Doesn't matter. Happy, uh, happy birthday. Uh, she's not. But I had a party, and of course, the party went on at about 3 o'clock in the morning. So I've been laying in bed since about 11 o'clock, listening to. And then every now and again. It's a girl, so 400 girls there, right? And it's like. <laughs> what is it? Like, I, I, it just goes to, like, if it was going to go, and you couldn't even fall asleep, or when you go, you're just falling asleep, and next is, <laughs> and like, you multiply that by 40 kids or whatever it is, and it was pretty loud and pretty wild. And I must say, I laid in my heart thinking blessed thoughts towards me. <laughs> I was praying for rain, thunder, lightning, straight down upon them, oh God! Not really, I wasn't okay, but I, I certainly wasn't enjoying being kept awake at 3 o'clock in the morning. In fairness, they're great guys, they only had one once a year or something, and of course it always happens the night before, George Brennan, they never have the Friday, it's always on Saturday. But you know, I don't necessarily react in the best way. I don't know about you, maybe you do. Maybe you always react in the best possible way. But do you know something? When I get in a situation like that, when you're in a situation like that, and we're challenged, we are challenged to live up to, the, to being free people. To being people that God has set free. Do you know? These are like you or like me. We forget things, don't we? And sometimes when we're in experience, our thinking gets foggy and our memory gets foggy, and we don't remember things as clearly as we used to do. And the Israelites were continually forgetting one important or key factor in their history. And this is being written out just in the years after they had left. 400 years of slavery. What did the Israelites forget? There's one phrase that's used many times in Genesis, or it's used in Exodus, and it's also used in Deuteronomy, and it's this phrase. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt. Whatever your experience, brothers and sisters, no matter how bad the circumstance you find yourself in, no matter how difficult the trial that you face is, remember that you were slaves. Remember that you were slaves. If I look back at my rosy childhood, or I look back at my rosy teenagehood, and I might smile and laugh and go, you know, life was so easy, I was a slave. I was a slave to my habits. I was a slave to my behaviors. I was a slave to myself. And I was a slave 
to sin. Here it says, remember you were saved. He says it in Exodus, in Exodus chapter 13. Here it is again in Deuteronomy 40.15. Here it is again in Deuteronomy 15.15. Here it is again in Deuteronomy 16.12. Here it is again in Deuteronomy 24.18. Here it is again in Deuteronomy 24.22. Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. The phrase word for word in the Hebrew and in the English. Do you think he's wanting them to remember something? Do you think the Lord is trying to remind them of something? And that does not include the 25 plus and then the further 15 references both to slaves and slavery, which, refer which reference their release from Egypt. They're also recorded in the five books of the law. So there's the dozens, literally dozens of references to remind them that they were slaves. Why were, why were they to take a day off? <clears throat> Remember, if you read it in the Deuteronomy passage, it says, Remember, you were slaves in Egypt, so keep the Sabbath day holy. In other words, remember, you had no day off. So I'm telling you now to take a day off. Remember, you were slaves. They forgot what they needed to remember. They needed to remember that. And don't you know what they needed to remember? They forgot. Remember how the Lord your God led you through the desert. These 40 he led you in the wilderness. And that passage goes on in Deuteronomy chapter 8, one of the best chapters in the Old Testament, in my opinion. The reminder of how God humbled them and tested them. And then he gave them manna and he looked after their clothes and he protected them. And they all the way through these 40 years knew the provision, knew the protection, and knew the presence of God. And that's what you know now that you didn't know when you were a slave. You didn't know the provision of God, you didn't know the protection of God, and you didn't know the presence. Of God in your lives. So when we go through trials, we need to remember that we were slaves. Let me give you an example from the natural world, a very simple example. Here is a baby, a photograph of a baby in the womb. So if you take a baby in the womb, now in most circumstances, now I know that there are lots of exceptions and I know that there are lots of difficult situations and very evil situations in which babies are not happy or comfortable in the womb. But the vast majority of babies are happy and comfortable in the womb. This baby is happy and comfortable. Why? Because he's sitting kind of floating in his mother's in his mother's uh, womb and he's got amniotic fluid around him and he's being continually fed and he's being kept warm and he's getting oxygen and he's getting food and he's being carried everywhere. He doesn't have to work for anything. He's able to just, you know, Hitch a ride everywhere. Basically, talk about mom's taxi. This is the original mom's taxi. And it's just being carried everywhere. And of course, this baby is comfortable. But if the baby stays in that comfortable situation, if the baby stays in that comfortable situation, it will mean death, not life. Because it will never be free. It will never grow up and achieve its full potential. It will never become a man or a woman, not the man or the woman that God wants them to be, that society needs them to be. And again I say, dare I say, that the church needs them to be, the men and women that they need to be. That baby will never achieve that so long as it stays in the womb. And so for all of its protestations and for all of its resistance, it cannot resist being born. Matter of fact, it doesn't matter, it can't resist ignoring protest. And they do and they do resist being born and protest. And then when the baby is born, it was there, saw three of my sons being born, and saw saw it live, and it wasn't even on Facebook, but it was live. And saw them come out and boy did they protest when they came out. Wah, 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 wah. And you know if it was me, I would have complained too. I'm sure I complained. So did you, by the way, when you left your mother's womb. 
But it was the liberty from that comfort that was actually bringing life. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, when our comfort is upset, that is when God is at work in our lives. It is in those moments when we are no longer very comfortable in our situations that very often God is at work. The Israelites, the Israelites made their decision to leave Egypt, but the minute they found themselves in trouble, they began to look backwards. And look at what it says in the New Testament. Jesus says something searing. He says something uncomfortable. He says it all the time. He's saying it all the time. Here it is in John's Gospel. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And I don't care how comfortable you are in that, how comfortable you are in your sins, how comfortable you are in your habits, how comfortable you are in your selfishness, how comfortable you are in your routines, how comfortable you are in your debt, you are still a slave. You are still a slave. No matter how comfortable you are, you are still a slave and only Jesus can set you free. I want to say this to our friends on Facebook and on Instagram. No matter how free you think you are, you are still a slave. If you are comfortable in your sins, if you're still in your sin and your habits and your things, you are still a slave and you need Jesus to set you free. Would anybody in the hall say amen? amen. amen. You need to be set free, no matter, how, no matter how comfortable you get, because if anything, your comfort will be leading you to your own death. But then Jesus says something very interesting and curious. He actually does a little play on words. And he says this, now a slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a member, is part of the family forever. And he's doing a play on words here. And the play on words is this. Jesus, of course, is the son. He is the one who is the permanent member of the family. And what he's saying to them is very simple. I, the son, have the freedom to set you free. And while you are a slave, you are not a member of the family. But if the son sets you free, guess what he goes on to say? You are truly free. So the son who owns and runs the whole operation, the entire universe, the scripture says that the universe is literally hanging on his word. It is kept in continuation. It says in Colossians, I loosely translate. It's kept in continuation. He holds all things together. If he says you are free, then you are truly free. Would anyone say amen? Amen. amen? If you have been set free by him, you are truly, profoundly, deeply set free. And you know, the problem for us, of course, is that we, we, we sometimes want to cling on to the old identity. There's an awful lot going on about identity. No, I won't even go into it, but it seems to be in the current war. But this is what the Lord wants to do. He only, not only wants to set you free, he wants to give you a new identity. A new identity. It's not that you are the same old person anymore. You are a new person. What does what 7 Corinthians 5, 17 say? If anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. The new has come. It's bye-bye old life. Bye. It's hello new life. Oh, it's new life. That's what it is. It's a new life. And your very identity itself has been changed. What does John's gospel say? To those who believed in him, he gave the right to become children of God. Hallelujah. You see, the, 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 the Israelites were still slaves in here. They were still slaves in here. They still identified as slaves. And as long as you identify as a slave, it's so easy to go back to being one, isn't it? But if the Son sets you free, you are truly free, brothers and sisters. You are truly, truly profoundly free. Let me finish with, we're going to get the band up. The guys are going to play for us. They're going to sing a song for us here in a second. And we're going to play. Let me finish off with this verse. 
from Galatians. And this is so important. Here's what he says. He said, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free. Make sure that you stay free. Don't get tied up again. Don't let yourself go back into slavery to sin or selfishness or debt or fear. Don't become a slave again. Make sure you stay free. And you know the only one who can put you back into slavery? It's you. You're the only person who can put you back into slavery. If Jesus has set you free, that is your new identity, that is who you are. You're a free person, you are free to go, you're free to love, love and honor God and live the life he's called you to live. The only person who can put you back into slavery is you. By your choices, and by your decisions, and by your values, you're the only person who can do it. So I would encourage you, brothers and sisters, if you have been truly set free, stay Free in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't get tied up again. Now I want to pray, just in a second, we're going to, we're going to do a song and then we're going to pray. I want to pray this morning just for three simple things. One, I want to pray this morning that we would remember when we are in trials and troubles and situations that we were slaves but no we free. And no matter how difficult our situation becomes, it's okay, we're still free. We were slaves, but no, we are free. And sometimes we need to remember both the difficult situation we were in and the good things that God is doing in our lives today. Would anyone say amen? amen? Amen. I also want to pray for some who are here this morning, and even for you as I'm talking about slavery, talking about slavery to sin or selfishness or debt or, uh, or, or, or self or routine or whichever, or fear, most importantly, slaves to fear. I want to pray today that we would know the liberty of God in our lives. Will anyone say amen? Amen. I also want to pray for people that you know and that you love, who you know are stuck in slavery, that we bring them before the Lord ever so briefly, and we bring them before the Lord and pray for them this morning before you pass. You okay with that? Yeah. Will you stand with us? Will you stand with us? The guys who are going to lead us in the song. You can stand as well if you're looking on Facebook or Instagram. It's open to yourself, but you can stay sitting because we can see. God bless you. Sophia, will you lead us in the song? Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in all his love for me. All his love for me. Who the sun sets free, oh, is
I'm asking you, would you raise your hand? Don't raise the light, just raise it to show them that you recognize you need God's liberty and now you're ready. Let's see your hands. Let's see your hands, brothers and sisters. I want to pray, secondly, I want to pray that God would set free someone that we love. You know somebody who is in a situation of slavery. They're a slave in any of the ways that I've already listed. I don't want to make this sick, but continue listening. But you know this person, and as we were speaking, you remembered in your own heart and soul, this person is a slave and needs to be set free. If you want to pray for someone this morning, would you raise your hand? We're going to pray for that this And lastly, I'm going to pray that all of us would remember, remember that we were once slave and God has set us free. No matter what we face this week, this month, this year, regardless of the circumstance or the situation that we face, that we remember that we were once slaves, but no, Christ has set us free. And that we remember all the goodness that God brings in our lives. Can I ask you, would you raise your hands to heaven as we pray this morning? Let's raise them high before the Lord this morning as we pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you, Lord, that whom the Son sets free is truly free. Lord, I thank you that you came to bring us liberty in our lives. Lord, not only that, but you gave us the desire, the, the will, and the power to do your will, Lord Jesus. I pray this morning for all of those who are struggling with a sense of slavery in their own lives, Lord. In whatever form it takes into everybody, everyone's will be unique, Lord. For some of us, it's been a bit of a slipping back, Lord. Maybe in the last few months, we've gotten back into old habits and old ways. Slaves to fear or habit or addiction or situation, Lord. Even Maybe even a controlling relationship. Lord, I pray this morning that a spirit of liberty will fall upon your people in Jesus' name. Lord, that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would stir a power in their souls that they can say no to the things that want to entrap them and to enslave them and to make them prisoners again. And they can say yes to the things that will bring them life and bring them freedom in Jesus' mighty name, Lord. We pray for those that we love and that we long for who we recognize are also, Lord, slaves. Lord, every one of us knows a name or knows names in our hearts and souls of people that we would long for and pray for and see set free. We bring them before you this morning, Lord. Would you speak your word of life to them, we pray in Jesus' name. Jesus said the time is coming in no ways when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and they will live, Lord. I pray, Lord, you would speak to those that we love and we long for, that we want to see set free from their slavery to self and sin, Lord. Lord, that they would hear your voice and they would come back to life again in Jesus' mighty name. And I pray, Lord, as we go up into the coming week, regardless of what we face when we go up beyond these doors, regardless of what we face, Lord, in our circumstances and our situations, whether it's in our work or in our home, in our relationships, whatever trial or tribulation comes, Lord, and whatever test comes, because that's part of being a Christian, Lord, I pray. We will remember, rather than going back to our old ways, we will remember that we were once slaves, but you have set us free, Lord. I pray we would remember that we were once slaves, but you have set us free. Help us also, Lord, to remember your goodness, your blessing, your kindness, and your grace poured onto our lives, Lord. May May we witness personally your provision, your protection, and your presence in our lives. This week we pray, in Jesus' name and God's people say, Amen. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. May the Lord lift up the light of His countenance and smile upon us. In Jesus' name and God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless your brothers and sisters. The lads are going to lead us in worship. We're just going to sing a verse in the chorus of the song.